Obama, I know you're yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> Obama, we got guns. Just, we got guns just, pointed. Just thinking about how pissed we are at Obama. We're really getting Still. Obama. Yeah. yeah. And this is where we start the podcast. <laughs> and I'm cutting out that long ass cold open. Welcome Why? to the extended clip podcast. Uh, it's all cold open. <laughs> my name's Eddie Averill, and with me is uh, JT White. And I'm Malcolm Baum. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not that awesome. I know you're fucking. Dead, but <laughs> we're here to do the I extended. Think yeah, I think it's cool. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like yeah. our names. Yeah. Introduce ourselves. All right. I'll reverse my position. I think it's very cool. I'm glad. So this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about movies, your favorite thing to talk about online because you don't have any friends. But now I have two friends that will talk to me mm-hmm. about them. Uh, under the condition that we do it in front of microphones. Yeah, we're not. We try not to talk about movies at other times. And we just, really restrict our conversation. We just want to give more people more friends. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you may ask yourself, what are we doing here on this very podcast? Um, because movies are such a broad subject, we gotta gotta narrow it down to a not so broad mm-hmm. topic, and that's why we're gonna talk about. Uh, I don't know. It's still pretty broad. We're going to talk about two like movies. A, yeah, we're going to talk about a double yeah. feature each week, and it's going to try to represent either the like high and low brow aspects of cinema, or in the case of this week, really the I guess it's if that's a vertical plane, then the horizontal <laughs> plane of the middle brow. Yeah, uh, we're going to pick two movies. Yeah, we're going to pick two movies that have something in fucking common. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's our job. Leave that to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the ones doing the movies. You don't fucking tell us what movies to yeah. watch. All right, we got it. Tell us what movies it. to it's watch. Fun. Other than Jonathan Rosenbaum and his list of <laughs> a thousand essential films mm-hmm. at the end of Essential Cinema. I believe uh, our two films uh, from this week were on those were on the list. Oh, Jonathan <laughs> yeah. Rosenbaum, I'm sure, was a big fan of... Stop! I'm a mobile shoot! As well as... Scent of a Woman. Uh, two films from 1992. Uh, these films are connected because, well, Al Pacino finally got that, that golden statue that he'd been wanting to fuck for <laughs> 25 years probably at that point. Uh, he got an Oscar for this movie, The Scent of a Woman. Not The Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman. And he got an Oscar, so the equivalent of that, and I say the equivalent, not the opposite, is the Worst Actor uh, Razzie Award, which was given that year to Sylvester Stallone for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Undeservedly so, I'd say. I think he's actually kind of good. No, he's good in it. Yeah, sure. what about you? I mean, we'll get to it. Okay, but. Uh, I don't, like, I just think it's, I mean, he's not bad. Um, but it's Stop. boring. It's just so boring. All right, save it for that fucking segment. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> my first note on Stopper My Mom Will Shoot is you got glass in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so Scent of a Woman, a 1992 film directed by Martin Brest, uh, known more for Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, on it's He quite competently directs this movie, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's a remake of an Italian film, uh, Porfumo di <laughs> Don. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, yeah. They're so fucking horny. Yeah. As Lex G would say, this is a super fucking Italian movie. <laughs> uh, oh, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it stars Al Pacino. And uh, it, the protagonist, though, is Chris O'Donnell. And he plays Charlie Sims. He's a young uh, young prep school boy. We're in this, you know, prep school milieu, but he's on scholarship, which means that he's just like, it doesn't mean he's poor. It just means he's like not extremely rich, like all these Mm -hmm. kids at the school, at the Baird school. And so he wants to get some money to go back to see his parents for Christmas. So he takes a weekend job watching an old man who's blind 
And then we meet that man. Oh, <laughs> do we meet that man? Uh, he's blind and a dick. Turns out, yeah. he's also a dick. Yeah, that's true. A love, a lovable dick, and everyone loves him because he's a dick, and because of what he does with his dick. <laughs> we oh, would yeah. presume, yeah. yeah, or what he imagines to do. Folks, he wants to fuck. This is like this is the structure of the movie. Is Al Pacino is blind but wants to fuck. That's like the <laughs> underlying. He's just trying to find pussy. It's the yeah. inherent <laughs> conflict of the movie. You Where know? is it? <laughs> we'll we'll talk about Blake Snyder later. But in screenwriting classes, they tell you that like the premise of your movie needs to have an inherent like irony or conflict. You know, and Al Pacino is blind but he wants to fuck, so he can't find mm. the pussy. So that's, that's the boom. inherent scent, conflict. Scent of a woman. Will we get to it? Um, <laughs> What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, know. that's that's the other uh, part of our double feature. They're bold feminist films. Uh, oh, Stop yeah. Stop or yeah. My Mom Will Shoot. For sure. And Scent yeah. of a Woman. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is really just, you know, strong female characters throughout. That's all I'm going to say for now. Passes the Bechdel. Yeah. No doubt about it. Tells you to listen to women. Mm-hmm. It does tell you. It, uh, you know what? Or that they'll shoot. True. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Which we endorse fully on this yeah. Second yeah. Amendment rights podcast. Yeah. Hey, women should have guns to too. women. I agree with that. Exactly. Hire more women guards in the prisons and give more guns to women. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. So anyway, he meets Al Pacino, who plays Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, who is like a... In the army for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's still in the army. Yeah. It's fucking 1992. He's still in fucking Nam, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised he doesn't say any like Asian slurs, because like, he's very clearly a product of Nam and like PTSD. Mm-hmm. Has Harbors no resentment against Asian fellows, he does. so that's very cool of him. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of his like racism is just like not... Like it's not aggressive. It's just him like ascribing traits to races. Like Puerto Ricans have the nicest <laughs> smelling cars. Yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> that and you'll be hearing a lot of that impression as we go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess now we've I, designated that JT is the Al Pacino. No, the I want to work it out. I don't yeah. think that. Uh, no, I think that's very good. I, okay. I think you should keep going. Um, mm-hmm. Any, actually, everything you say for the rest of the segment. So you mm-hmm. know, yeah, give or take fifteen minutes. Uh, so anyway, he finds Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade in this like back garage. This you know middle class family is taking care of their uncle, and so they have this like little garage type shed thing that he lives yeah, in. Yeah, cuck shed. It, I mean, it could it could be used for that. The um, love shack. Yeah, I would prefer. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Charlie goes back there and like walks in on him, just like chomping on a cigar, trying to pour himself drinks. Uh, and he's like Romeo dialing on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like trying to like hit up whatever number has a female. Yeah. Can you show feet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he does do that quite a bit for a blind man. He loves the joke of like, let me get a better look at you. Yeah. Because uh, he does it to Charlie right when he walks in, but he also says it to a woman over the phone. I love that like the, like I think the second time, or when we see him talking on the phone, it's like literally right before they're gonna go to New York. Yeah, like exactly. he's so fucking horny. Oh he, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just like doing phone sex, and he walks, and he's like, yeah, all right, I got it, I got to go. Bye. So <laughs> something very important happens between those two visits. So the first visit, he meets him, says, oh, I don't know, you know, the classic uh, reluctant hero part of the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the, like, I guess his niece, you know, the woman who calls him uh, her uncle. Says, you know, you really have to do it, whatever. So he does it, but then the thing happens that sets up the third act, actually. Charlie goes back to school for one, you know, that was Thursday night, and now it's Friday before the weekend. And he goes back to school and he gets in a bit of trouble. Uh, he witnesses a crime 
where some fellow students um what what did they do to the the chancellor's that was like car the like most cucked like such a pathetic crime that yeah. they do while they're reading verse yeah like yeah. it's the it's the most prep school crime I, it's they put they fill up a balloon with like paint above like the dean's uh car who's like taking money from um or he he got the car from like um I don't know the, the donors, board of trustees. Yeah, the board of trustees. Yeah. The man. Yeah. He got it from the man. Yeah, from the man, even though he is also the man. Yeah. Yeah, and then it covers his car. And he gets embarrassed. They're like, Oh, oh yeah. So it's a giant you. balloon, and yeah. then it's also filled with milk. Uh, so like he tries to pop the balloon. Wait, was and that milk get, or paint? I thought it was milk. I figured paint would be more uh, damaging white to paint? a car. I thought it was something else, but I don't know. What <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I just thought it was something else. So anyway, uh, Charlie witnesses like the the preparations for this crime late at night when he's working the library and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman like kind of drags him out there. Philip Seymour Hoffman, by the way, of like the prep school parts of the film, he is by far the best. Uh, he's just, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good to see the absolute angel, the God, PSH, yeah. in like a young role. This role was the first time that Paul Thomas Anderson had seen Philip Seymour Hoffman in a, in a movie. And Paul said that um, that was the first time he knew what it felt like to be in love when he saw Scent of a Woman, saw Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> acting with his hands, uh, doing a lot of a lot of the hand motions. It's really fucking good. And then you hear him over the phone, which is good, too. He's a really good <laughs> oh, phone yeah. actor. Hear no evil, see no evil. Oh, that's such a good line. Uh, he does good phone acting in this and in Magnolia. But anyway, back to Scent of a Woman. Yeah, there's a witness, and they they can figure out that it's Charlie and Philip Seymour Hoffman that like could have been witness that could you know out these rich kids who did the prank, and so that sets up like uh, before he goes to take care of Pacino for the weekend, he knows that when he comes back, he's gonna be on trial. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have a disciplinary meeting in front of the entire school uh, just to make this into a courtroom drama for no fucking reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where it, I really it started to test my patience when they got into the court. The was, court is like the last se- like the, last, the last big scene. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so twenty long. minutes is you know I I did go up and I I did pause it a couple times. I'm like, how much is uh, is left? I just an hour. I loved it so much because <laughs> all of it hinges on just like he's old and was in the military, so they respect what he's saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. I was waiting for the stolen valor twist. That would uh, be too. Amazing. Oh I shit! I thought was happening. That would, it would have bumped. Okay, folks. Full disclosure: I give this movie two stars out of five on Letterbox. I would have given it three. Actually, I would have given it five. Wow. If at the end, it was revealed that he was stealing valor and he was just a horny guy who like came up <laughs> on some military gear. So yeah, he, he was like, always blind from birth. <laughs> yeah, it's like you think you know you see homeless guys kind of steal stealing. valor. It's like he's like I'm gonna do it to get woman. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking outside of the box. <laughs> so now the first act is over. He has set up what will happen when he comes back to school, and he's ready to take care of Pacino for the weekend. But Pacino says, "Look, man, I'm going to New York so I can get me some women." That's <laughs> so where the women are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no women at the Baird School. It's a, it's a prep the school scent for boys. Is so, there's so many women there. The scent is so strong. You could walk down the street and you could smell all the women. Yeah. We should you mention, just come from a whiff of your nose. <laughs> we should mention that it is an all-boys school that uh, our main character attends. There's no, you know, he doesn't have any interaction with women until like a later scene. And like, I feel like that is why. He's just not 
a horny teenage but it doesn't make yeah. sense that this 60 year old man who's horny isn't like seen as just like a legend by this <laughs> 17 year old kid who's presumably very horny but does not show it that's what i was thinking like this movie would be great if it was just like some random like he's <laughs> like this guy rules yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to fuck some girls with this dude <laughs> exactly <laughs> it would be a way if it was an 85 minute movie yeah. of stifler and al pacino <laughs> oh, like, oh, like that would be the best movie ever <laughs> But anyway, so they fly to New York. Of course, you know, Charlie's just being a little fucking baby about it. Oh, I can't go to New York. <laughs> you know, everything is it's that type of like buddy comedy movie, but played very seriously where everything that Al Pacino uh, brings up like as a possibility to do. Charlie immediately says, oh, I can't do that. Oh, yeah. Like the fucking the first restaurant scene was so fucking frustrating where he was figuring out that he was spending a lot of money. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. like you got on like in a fucking limo and a plane <laughs> and it's just like a twenty four dollar hamburger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. So that is the scene where Pacino fully leaves his cards on lays his cards on the table and says that he wants to kill himself. But before that, actually, I think it's very important the first time, I guess you could say, Pacino lays his cards on the table when they are on the airplane. (laughs) Tits. Big ones, little ones. Nipples staring right out at you like secret searchlights. Legs. I don't care. If they're Greek columns or secondhand Steinways, what's between them? Passport to heaven. I need a drink. Yes, Mr. Sims. There's only two syllables in this whole wide world worth hearing. And so that was Al Pacino uh, on the airplane. And then on a much more somber note at the dinner where they get the $24 hamburgers, he says that he plans on, uh, you know, getting a nice something to eat, something to drink, some nice cigars, you know, and then uh, get in bed and blow his brains out. Hey, man, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Like, the only honestly, cool dude way to kill yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, just fucking go balls out. Just I wanna, fucking, yeah. yeah. I want to have sex and then I want to die. <laughs> he has also asked every single person he's encountered so far on this trip where the escorts are. <laughs> like, can you give me oh, yeah. some info on the escort scene? Like, very professional about it. And then every time they're in the hotel at this point, he is still just Romeo dialing. He's like mm. calling random <laughs> numbers and just being like, do you know about the escort scene? Or just if they're a woman flirting with them, mm-hmm. which is the true Romeo dialing. Mm-hmm. It's it's really bad. They just do that for like an hour. It's the kid convincing Pacino not to kill himself like by doing fun shit with him. Yeah. And Pacino trying to teach him how to be more of a man and they like tango with a girl. That scene was so cringe. Like, so oh weird. yeah. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're eating uh not even eating. They're just like having a drink at breakfast, I guess, at mm-hmm. this hotel bar or some shit like that. That has a ballroom and like a band playing and they're in nice clothes and there's a woman sitting at a table behind them and uh you know she's she's a young woman so charlie is checking her out for the first time showing interest in a in a young lady and al pacino immediately sniffs her out (laughs) (laughs) and can just tell that she's beautiful by her scent uh and then so he claims that uh he knows what a woman looks like by her scent 
Yeah, it's oh. <laughs> it's very <good>. so, <laughs> so powerful. Yeah, they say when you lose one sense that your other ones yeah you know and so i think it's just like (laughs) the horny aspect of all the other senses heightened or just his horniness heightened in general like yeah he didn't actually get better at smelling when he got blind he's just yeah yeah Yeah, his cock just gets so hard he can tell what the woman looks like (laughs) (laughs) by how hard he is i can tell by my erection (laughs) his dick does also have supersonic hearing like he can (laughs) hear the other end of phone conversations that charlie's having so charlie's just on the phone this whole trip with philip Seymour Hoffman like and I like those scenes because of Philip Seymour Hoffman over the phone but it really adds up man this is a like two hour 45 minute movie it's ridiculously long Mm -hmm. and scenes meander like I feel like they some scenes just like the scene where with like the gun there's like a couple scenes where they're like whoever the kid is is telling Al Pacino like you know give me the gun or like hand over the bullets like those scenes I feel were like particularly excruciating for me I was that was really bored by that yeah, it's it's one of those things where we talked previously about enjoying melodrama, but this is one of those movies where it's like, no, nah, just give me the good vibes. I don't want the yeah. actual the actual dramatic beats are all handled really clumsily, mm-hmm. and the buddy scenes, like the two actors, not even the two actors, just Al Pacino <laughs> has enough chemistry to carry those buddy scenes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not good, but it, it works, you know, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's like one and a half men up there. Oh <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so then woo. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the third oh. act. They come back from New York, <laughs> and uh, you know Al Pacino is so proud of him for convincing him not to kill himself, and he says, you know, if you ever need a reference, I'll be a guy. <laughs> And then he just represents him in court. Uh, he just he Charlie goes up to defend himself, and it, tur- it turns out you know Philip Seymour Hoffman he's not on scholarship. His, his dad is like a big donor, so he's on his own, and Charlie has to represent himself. So Pacino just like acts like his dad slash lawyer, and just grandstands for twenty minutes, not even making <laughs> yeah. any real points. He's just saying that the system's broken. Yeah. It's like a parody. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he's. He's just I think the crux of his defense is that like Charlie is not going to rat and that's like that's yeah. no mm-hmm. which I feel like doesn't like that's to fun, a, a prep school audience I don't yeah. feel like you sell that especially just cuz he's just shouting and just and blind mm-hmm. I feel like that's what he has going for he him as well He is very blind though like it's yeah. he's very good <laughs> at being blind I mm-hmm. like I hate it because he does it in a very cartoonish way oh, that yeah. like you could say yeah. is unrealistic, but it's also extremely cinematic. The mm-hmm. scene of him drive I, I was going to get into this. Like The direction is very competent on a formal level. I'm not going to say that it's stylish. There are a couple of long takes that are like kind of surprising if you're watching it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like, fuck, man. The house style of studio films yeah. from the early 90s was so much better than the bullshit we have now. Mm-hmm. Like the cinematography just like at those fall scenes by the prep school looks so good. Just like those those autumnal, you know, vibes of the color is just so good. There's like a good balance of shot reverse shot and like two shot stuff for the the buddy comedy scenes and you know, those are all just like really well done to a point where it's like the material sucks, but it's just like it's very depressing that the fact that a film being competently directed makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, the I, I do like the scene with the test driving the Ferrari. Like that's exactly that's that like, scene is the best directed one. Yeah, that's yeah. the best directed scene, and I, I th- it's very weird how like he just like talks out to the cop or whatever. <laughs> just yeah, that's great. Like, so yeah. for the listener who hasn't seen this, there's a scene where 
uh, Al Pacino at one point compares a woman's pussy to a Ferrari. Like that's the only <laughs> other thing that's even close <laughs> is driving a Ferrari, baby. Uh, super Italian. <laughs> uh, so they go. He sweet talks his way into test driving a Ferrari, like, uh, and the kid is driving it for him, you know. And then he gets behind the wheel. And this scene, you know, again, inherent comedic conflict. It's a blind guy driving a sports car, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just fucking punching it. And you know, the kid Charlie is just like grabbing the steering wheel. It's a lot of fun. It's a good dynamic between, you know shots that are in motion tracking the car alongside it and like still shots where the car moves across frame it feels you know like it has momentum and you can still feel a sense of the characters it's not just like a robotic chase scene it's not a chase scene yeah but it kind of feels like one like that's how much fun it is of just a guy driving a car mm-hmm. that's what blake snyder who we'll talk about later would call the promise mm-hmm. of the premise that's like a big it's a big trailer moment. You know, you know, it's a buddy comedy about a young guy and an old blind guy. You want to see him drive the fucking sports car, <laughs> but you don't want to see him drive the sports car an hour and 45 minutes into a two hour and 45 minute movie. You want to see him drive a sports car 40 minutes into an 80 minute movie. Oh, definitely. I, it's sh- the movie should have started out with him like pulling up to the school, just blind as fuck. In, yeah. into the <laughs> that would have been much better if they leaned into it because it, they play mm-hmm. so much stuff for a comedy why isn't it just That's a buddy true. comedy yeah like an mm-hmm. 80 minute buddy comedy it's fucking great um but i think because it was going for that prestige level release like if you play yeah. it too comedic they would say it's like exploitative of like you know mm, being yeah. blind maybe you, we like flip it with the films it's like you do uh stop or my mom will shoot serious yes and then uh, scent of a woman that actually uh, sounds comedy. good that, yeah i think that's yeah we solved it yeah <laughs> i hate to invoke <laughs> podcast favorite woody allen but <laughs> the latter uh, film could definitely work within his milieu of like that feel when you have a Jewish mom. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. yeah like yeah. and it, we'll get to it. But it's very funny that Stallone is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to Scent of a Woman. Um, it's really not good. It's just so long and it drags forever. Mm-hmm. And um, also, it was a big hit. Like people love that shit. That's funny to me. Ebert gave it three and a half mm. stars out of four. Uh, he calls he calls Pacino's character a romantic, which is <laughs> <a> very, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny way of putting uh, <laughs> desperately wanting to fuck. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna read a little quote here from Ebert's review. Uh, he says that by the end we have arrived at the usual conclusion of the coming of age movie and the conclusion of the prep school movie, but rarely have we been taken there with such intelligence and skill so the framing of this whole review is that like it's doing these two very distinct genres of coming of age and prep school <laughs> which is like what the fuck kind of genre is prep school he talks yeah. about like dead poet society for a couple lines and it's the most bullshit review i've read in a minute uh, because i haven't hate read any ebert in a while so yeah it's just imagining like like a bunch of people in 1992 it's like we gotta check the scent of a woman movie <laughs> out it's like blind pacino he's like really he's really <laughs> horny like let's go Let's make this like a movie that wins awards too. Like yeah. this is the like kind of strange for me to see as a prestige. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was his first win in eight nominations. Uh, Al Pacino, which is crazy that he got it for this of all mm-hmm. things. <laughs> Any final thoughts, JT? Um, I think we should. I mean, obvi- I think it's clear by now. But hua or bua for the for the film. So oh. you can you can just clip this part if you want to skip right to the middle. Oh, no, okay. our final verdicts on Scent of a Woman. Oh, okay, right. for sure. Uh, so who was if we think it's good? Yeah, who was who was positive and Hua okay. is bad. And we and should say that this is the origin of Hua. This movie is where Hua comes yeah. from, and he says it 
a lot. It made I was saying it to myself while yeah. watching the film. He says I, it somberly. There's like a scene. He's like, "Who?" Uh. Yeah. <laughs> he says it when he's drinking alone at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Saigon. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm a blind, miserable <laughs> fuck, and I still got to think about Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, on three, who are Boo-Ah? Yeah. One, two, three, Boo-Ah. Yeah, it sucked, yeah, dude. Oh, I, sorry. Yeah, I gave it two stars. Yeah. One. Uh, one and a half. I was actually the nicest to it. Yeah. I think I was just impressed with it on a formal level more than you guys because I'm a very intelligent film watcher uh, yeah. who doesn't give a shit about any of the human aspects of it and just likes the machinery okay yeah i, I guess i'm not smart like you then. i thought yeah. pacino was funny yeah, yeah no <laughs> that's the reason i like, yeah. I like two stars instead of one yeah. <laughs> like when he talked about pussy that was cool yeah. <laughs> it's, fuck it's a bad movie but it's funny man but also just like in any given movie the part where either a car or a train is being driven is like the best part and that movie has a good car scene so <laughs> if it had a good train scene i would have given it three mm-hmm. yeah should have traveled by train all right, we'll be right back in a minute. From Martin Brest, director of Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop. All right, we're back. Back on the extended clip. Uh, yes, indeed. How I my ha- boys doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Got some water in me. Hit the locker rooms yeah. during halftime. Yeah, we yeah. took a three and a half hour break. We watched Andre Ruiz. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we watched Son of a Woman again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, you guys been watching anything else this week that was good, not for the podcast? Um, I, I only watch things for the podcast yeah, now. Already. Everything I watch informs my intelligence and makes the podcast better. So. Well, I'll tell you, we're going <laughs> to talk about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, but before that, I watched another Stallone movie. I watched Cobra. Ooh. Ooh. Now, Co- have you guys seen Cobra? No, I no. want to. Holy shit, you guys. Cobra is badass. I mean, there was just a uh, podcast recently released about Cobra, so I won't go too deep into it, but... You know, it's a classic, like, fascist copaganda type thing. Mm. Just pure inhumanity. Like, there's no human aspect to that film at all for me. And it's just a pure aestheticization. Aestheticization? Look, yep. I, I'm the yeah, smart guy of the good. Count it. Uh, <laughs> I can, I can write down words, but I can't say them out loud. Anyway, <laughs> it's a really good take on that. Uh, <laughs> on just being a fucking, basically a RoboCop. I mean, he doesn't have any fucking feelings. He just has shades and a gun and a knife and, like, a really cool jacket. And he just, it's just Stallone looking extremely cool for 87 minutes, killing quote unquote bad guys and like not even, you know, this is where the law stops and I begin is that it's that kind of thing. You know, it's a dirty, hairy type, uh, taking the law into your own hands, chewing on a matchstick, very cool exploitation shit, uh, from 86 co-starring Bridget Nielsen looking absolutely fine and just like (laughs) drowning her French fries and ketchup, which I could not be more attracted to. Honestly, you a ketchup guy. No, but just like, dude, movies where (laughs) are just like stuffing their face with food are just awesome. I, I think guess. that's. Woke, right? I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> is that woke? Yeah, that's definitely yeah, that's woke. I like. I think women should be eating more. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. They eat up. Uh, I like. Yeah. Eat up, honey. My ideal woman's the Chris Farley sketch where he pretends to be a woman and eats oh, a bunch of fries. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what. I, yeah. We were talking about how we need fat suit revival too, but like we also just need 
fat comic playing a woman again, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like I think it's time. I think yeah. yeah. We understand why it's problematic now, so we can just do it again. Like we mm-hmm. get it. Like kid, the kids in the hall guys. Yeah, did, they like, dude. Kids in the hall is like so half well. drag. Like, yeah. and you know, there's. But I also watched Casualties of War, the Brian De Palma film. That's like the best Vietnam movie I've seen, probably because usually they're not that good, to be honest. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think most of Vietnam movies are anti-Vietnam. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. which is good. You should be. <laughs> like I'm 50 years late to being woke. In, on yeah, that, interesting you know? woke take. Uh, hey, yeah. Get out of, get <laughs> I, out of I Vietnam. I can argue the opposite. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I like. Yeah, that. let's do it. Let's <laughs> get into it. Oh no. Okay, never mind. I'll, I'll fold on that so quickly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's never mind then. And I watched Twilight, and Twilight was good. Twilight felt like a fucking early 2000s Hong Kong movie, like early digital Ooh, post yeah, handover, yeah. like really sloppy, but like styles pushed to 11. Uh, it's really fun, and the director. That's the only one. So I'm not going to watch the sequels because Catherine Hardwick directed it. Mm-hmm. Not to be uh, confused with Chris Hardwick. Uh, alleged sister sexual wife? assaulter. Sister wife. Not alleged. He's a sister sexual wife? assaulter. Chris yeah. Hardwick, we're coming for you. Yeah, he... Oh, God. I can't believe he's Throwing already like back there. in showbiz. Just, who else is going to host shows uh, that are about at being after another show? <laughs> I anyway. think that's a niche we can uh, yeah, try extended in clip on. podcast. Yeah, yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll, I'll also be hosting the after show. Yeah. Uh, I'll be hosting after the clip, <laughs> and we're and we're clean. Yeah, we're uh, but Catherine Hardwick <laughs> only directed the first one, and uh, you know who directed the rest of the Twilight movies? A bunch of boys. So Damn. you know, I'm uh, not even gonna watch typical them. boys club. Didn't yeah. Catherine Hardwick direct Thirteen? You ever see that movie? Thirteen. Yeah, she did. Yeah. That, that's one of my least favorite movies of all time. I'm seeing right now that you gave it a fat yeah. half star. On yeah, I give it a half star. Damn, wow. Malcolm yeah. going hard against women directors. Whoa, it's just whoa, all whoa. these fucking sequels. Like 12, like yeah. 12 came before it? It was a boyhood sequel. <laughs> 13. I can't believe Woo! they made <laughs> another one. I'm going to let you have that one. I'm just oh, but she did make Lords of Dogtown, which is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like, I, like Lords of I say it's fucking incredible. I haven't seen it in 10 years, but it's one of those f- films where like the feeling of it stuck with me from one cable viewing for like 15 years. So I have to give it props to that. Even if it's like, if I look back and the structure makes it slow or whatever mm-hmm. bullshit, anything else that uh, we want to talk about before we get into stop or my mom will shoot. Uh, I do want to mention this thing, Nico, uh, this message that Nico had for you. Oh, Fans writing into I the like podcast yeah, already. Wow. Absolutely. Our friend of the pod, Nico, who uh, recently departed yeah, uh, to Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but it's, he said, I'll read it aloud. It's tell Eddie my balls are named Jake Gyllenhaal and Wallace Shaw, and he can suck them both. Damn. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Eddie? Well, it seems that Nico has taken a liking <laughs> to my two of my least favorite actors of all time. And um, luckily, he lives on the other side of the country now. So I will not have to <laughs> talk Damn, to him in real life to face up to this yeah. about why his private parts are their the namesake <laughs> of his private parts yeah. are so detrimental to yeah. the cinema and I'm, the film art. I'm against celebrity worship like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people like Jake Gyllenhaal, though. That's that might be a that's a that's a rough like opinion to have. I feel a lot he of people debate, debate you on that. I'm not. Well, Wallace Shawn, I feel like a lot of people like him, too. Wallace Shawn sucks bad. too. He's like. <laughs> Fucking Billy Crystal, basically. You, like, I mean, even worse. He's so bad and whiny, and like in the Princess Bride. Oh my God, shut the fuck up! Like, is he in the Princess Bride or am I? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought it was another just like bald, short, whiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's Larry David. In yeah. <laughs> Wallace Shawn and whatever works. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, Dude, I'm there for good. it. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, do, I guess do we want to go into stop or? I'd rather talk about Jake Gyllenhaal. He's oh, okay. literally yeah. the go one, off because like, yeah. uh, Nico just logged Okja on Letterbox, and that's a very bad movie. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is so bad in that movie. I, I posted this online uh, <laughs> for my fans. They will think I'm repeating <laughs> myself. Uh, that getting Okja and Nocturnal Animals within a six month period was like a very easy way for me to solidify Jake Gyllenhaal is possibly the worst actor taken seriously by Hollywood right now. Damn, I did. I mean, I I, I kind of like him, but at the same time, I like I like you having a strong opinion of him better. Um, I I like Okja a lot. Ugh. I like it's just like it has. I mean, on a very base level, it's like a big fucking cute animal shitting a lot. And like Jake Gyllenhaal, I feel like his performance, like in that, is like very. I don't know. I feel like it's intentional. I mean, oh, it doesn't. No like, doubt, he's yeah, not but, accidentally going over, yeah, over the, top. the top. He just yeah, sucks like, at it. There's I, other. I think people. it's good. I don't know. I hate it. I just want to punch him in the face. And like, he would beat the shit out of me. Obviously, I could not beat. I him. could probably take him. <laughs> yeah, you I've, could take him. I could. Yeah, 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 I think all three of us take him with guns. Damn. Yeah. Well, Call yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Get him on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> there are very few <laughs> actors in Hollywood that I could beat up without the assistance of my rifle. So. Wallace Shawn. I Wallace Shawn. No, he could beat me up, dude. Scrappy. I'm weak. I look. I look like I have some mass on me, but it's like, you know, burgers and rice and shit. Mm. Like I'm also weak, too. Yeah. Um, I have bruises all over me because I don't get enough iron in my diet. <laughs> I thought it was because of a drug habit. And I was <laughs> worried. Yeah, I saw the bruises and I was like, dude, those yeah. are some sketchy bruises. And that's because I work hard. That's why. Yeah, and you're always wearing the same clothes in here, too. True, yeah. Well, I obviously am the, the best dressed here. Right <laughs> yeah, now. you're right. Uh, the viewers of our live feed can see <laughs> my my classic fit. Uh, so anyway, stop or my mom will shoot. Two thousand, not two thousand nineteen. <laughs> Nineteen ninety two, just like oh the other God. fucking movie. Uh, who's the director of this again? <laughs> Spodiswode or whatever. Sp- I know. Well, it's written by Blake Snyder, who is most famous for being a screenwriting guru more than a screenwriter. <laughs> Uh, he wrote the book Save the Cat, which is like you can find it at your local film school or your local bookstore or your local Goodwill because film students can't sell it anywhere. So they just give it away after they're done with it. I've seen it at like five different Goodwills. And most of them can't read anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't read or as we demonstrated <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what is Stop or My Mom Will Shoot about? It's about uh, a cop, a sergeant. <laughs> to be exact okay. and his name is andrew bomowski and he's pretty good and but his mom comes to stay with him what yeah what mm-hmm. why is his mom here dude she's a fucking drag yeah dude uh, she's pretty lame and she's always like getting and in, interfering with when his are shit you're gonna take your trash yeah th- 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 I, I did w- uh, not to get ahead of myself but like she was like pretty harsh and was like your life sucks yeah, or whatever she, yeah, yeah exactly it seemed all right no as i said yeah. earlier it's like very much in the line of that like uh jewish mom comedy mm-hmm. like woody allen did a few of those adam sandler's done a few yeah. of those you know Jane uh where it's just like you have your whiny ass mom <laughs> like <laughs> who sounds like andrew dice clay when he's doing the impression <laughs> of his girlfriend <laughs> you know, i wanted to go to the christmas <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they actually sound like that, and it's terrible. Uh, and it's not like real life, but it's a funny caricature, I guess. Like in a couple movies, there's there's like one I I like I mean the most the 
over the top moment of scene that actually worked for me like early on I feel like very much so in the the Jewish mom comedy vein is when she finds the gun in the hamper <laughs> and accident like she's trying to do a nice thing and cleans it and fucks it up yeah I just like I mean the biggest bit of that is the gun in the hammer or hamper gag really fucking like got me yeah no that's uh that's like when you get what screenwriter blake snyder calls the promise of the premise now i i'm gonna do a little reading series here uh not to rip off another podcast that that has a segment that they call that but uh pages 30 to 55 of your screenplay and blake snyder goes into this a little earlier in this film uh he kind of gets to it right away but it's like that big trailer moment you know so i'm reading from save the cat here fun and games 30 to 55 the fun and games section is the part of the screenplay that I like to say, provides the promise of the premise. It is the core and essence of the movie's poster. It is where most of the trailer moments for a movie are found. And it's where we aren't as concerned with the forward progress of the story, the stakes won't be raised until the midpoint, as we are concerned with having fun. The fun and games section answers the question, why did I come to see this movie? What about this premise, this poster, this movie idea is cool. And so Blake Snyder talks a lot about posters in that book. And like, this is a film that's sold on a poster. It's Stallone and it's an old lady and she has a gun and it says, stop or my mom will shoot. Mm -hmm. Which is said in the movie verbatim. Oh yeah. yeah, That's like at the climax Mm -hmm. too. That's right where structurally the climax takes place is when he says the title of the movie. But anyway, uh, this movie is all promise of the premise. It's all fun and games. It's like... Yeah, there's like no setup at all. Yeah, it yeah. runs out of steam so quick because of that. True. It's like the mom shows up maybe by page nine uh, at the latest, and they're already doing the fun and games the entire time. And then I guess the first act break is when she gets taken into custody, you know, yeah. and like yeah. she has to actually help him solve this crime about these illegal gun runners. Uh, very much like Cobra, you know, he's taking the law into his own hands. <laughs> he's trying to do what he can... But his boss, who's also his girlfriend, is holding him down. So he has to team (laughs) up with his mom, not only to go around his boss and get the bad guys, but to get his girlfriend back and get married to her. Because that's like the end goal of any good story is getting married to your boss. One scene, uh, I feel like now, like thinking about it, that I really uh, dug or is just like another just perfect like because there were like a few moments where I did like really enjoy Mm -hmm. it and it was just in the sheer absurdity of it all is when Stallone gives a swirly to that I wrote down swirly (laughs) that is so fucking cool by the way audience I took four pages of notes on stop (laughs) or my mom will shoot one half page is just the word swirly I got so excited that he was taking his boss not his boss that's his girlfriend his other boss Uh, he takes him into the bathroom and gives him a fucking swirly and then his boss, who's his girlfriend, walks by and he like plays it off all cool yeah. as his other boss walks out soaking wet. It's pretty funny. It's like a good yeah. gag. There are some very like clever film school ass comedy gags in this that are like they only work on a very gut level. And once you think about them any more than that, you realize how fucking stupid it is mm-hmm. and how pointless the movie is and that it's not very good, to be honest. Yeah, I, it's, I you know, it's something funny about that scene. It kind of reminded me that like. Stallone, like his character, just gets to be a child throughout the whole movie, and that just doesn't change. He just gets to be like a yeah. mama's boy, or like his girlfriend boss takes care of the situation for him. Like it's yeah. he just he's he just needs to be taken care of. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> well, he wants to fuck his mom. Yeah, he That's wants the to whole fuck point his mom. of the he film. He does want to have sex with his mom and even has a little dream about uh, that. Yeah. Okay, the dream is very good. This is yes, like, very good. This is Freudian cinema. This yeah. is like the episode of Frasier where Frasier has the dream where he's fucking uh, one of his co like his coworkers who's a guy, uh, Gil Chesterton. It's basically that movie. Uh, dang, I didn't. It I just reminded it's me not, of it's Wild just, Strawberry. It just has <laughs> dreams where he wants to fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the swirly's really good. The dream's really good. I hate to repeat myself talking about like the house style of American cinema back then, but fuck, man, this movie looks good. It's yeah. like a very competently shot movie. It's not that pretty. Mm-hmm. There's a couple really nice shots of like L.A. neighborhoods, like yeah, sweeping say. shots in like, I guess Echo Park. They're in Echo Park a few times. It is, I will say, a good L.A. movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it disregards the map in the way that Tom Anderson would be really mad about, but. <laughs> It is really good. You get to see so many good, just like sweeping shots of neighborhoods and landmarks that you just love mm-hmm. it. They drive through North Hollywood. Yeah. Like from LAX. Like <laughs> they get out of LAX and they're in North Hollywood, which I think is the magic that we look for in movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I like, I don't think this movie is good, you know? So oh, it's bad. But yeah. uh, I did kind of like it's just lax pacing. Like it's just like no. Very chill. Yeah. Very, like no. No problems pacing. And then I did like the L.A. aspect of it. It was a good. I watched it with my roommate. We were hanging out. You know, I was in the right setting. It's a good hangout movie. Nice. It's a chiller. Now, JT was a little harsher on this one than us. He said he hated it (laughs) to my face. I know. I mean, there were points. I wanted the one other scene that I really wanted to bring up. Uh, was in I think Blake Snyder would call it the Dark Knight of the Soul. Oh yes, um, where he's like lamenting the after his mom chews him out because mm-hmm. I liked the score a lot. Yeah, and I feel like it was kind of cool. It sounds like it's like a jazzy other side of the wind quality. Yeah, when he's like lamenting, and I was like, oh, this, this is neat. I, yeah. I, I like this. Yeah. Okay. So on the Dark Knight of the Soul, that that's. I'm not going to read from Save the Cat again. <laughs> Dark Knight of the Soul is that sec- that classic like second act break shit. You know, it's the low point for the character. So in this case, it's his girlfriend is broken up with him and like his mom is yelling at him for not being in love with his girlfriend enough. And it's this really bad corny scene where like his mom's yelling at him and the whole neighborhood's watching. Oh, yeah. And it's just yeah. like, come on. Get it. It's just so corny. And he gives like a dumbass speech about, you know. This just shitty heartfelt monologues going back and forth. You can't even call it a dialogue because it's each of them giving their own monologue. I mean, I feel like that's why, like, I really hated it. Despite, like, I mean, I think the pacing was, like, kind of nice, like a nice mm-hmm. change. Yeah. Like, that was such a lax comedy. Mm-hmm. But, like, it wasn't fucking funny at all. No. Like, I, I, it's not funny. But, it like, has I, a couple kinda, gags. Yeah, I don't there know. There were things that made me laugh that probably weren't the jokes of no, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was doing a little bit of that. Yeah, like the Pepto-Bismol. I mean, okay. <laughs> oh, so, that was great. No, I do like this. They refer to Stallone's character as the Alka-Seltzer cop in the beginning of it. And I thought that was just a tossed off thing. I was like, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you just see him pounding fucking uh, Pepto-Bismol over like a nice landscape shot of like some L.A., you know, palm trees and like a neighborhood. I think that's the Echo Park uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's with his partner who's eating a cheeseburger. It's like that's like that good vibes shit. No, Speaking totally. of good vibes, there's a Miami Vice reference. What was uh, when the drug dealer is selling the Mac 11 or the Mac 10 to the grandma uh, or the mom? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> stop for my grandma will shoot coming soon. <laughs> uh, when she's buying the gun, he says, "You've seen Miami Vice, right?" Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Miami were, Vice is always cool. To they reference. were talking about Michael Mann's 2006 film Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, not the TV show that doesn't exist. Um, 
yeah there's a great car chase in this one too fuck man like the, mm-hmm. the car chase in this one uh is so good and it's just like <laughs> i should just get into like f1 formula one racing or like car crash footage because <laughs> the car driving scenes of every movie are my favorite scene no matter what movie it is so i should just give up on movies sure. i think speaking of gags the pretty good gag in the to close out the the driving scene i thought or the chase scene uh-huh. i i that's one genuine laugh I did have when she drove into the trash. I don't know. Oh, why. yeah, it's great. Yeah. And then oh, the homeless yeah, guy good. is right next to the trash. Yeah. And he says, I already checked. There's nothing in there. <laughs> uh, the, the That's a classic 90s comedy throwaway game. Yeah, like, yeah. that's, you know. But I will say, though, the jokes, the actual jokes in this movie gave me, to contrast what I said earlier, bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> a lot of the jokes were that, like, pausing mid-action sequence, mid competently shot action sequence to do a bad corny quip that yeah. it now dominates action cinema oh, and by action cinema i mean marvel was exactly like, that yeah the ending's it, weird it's guardians <laughs> of the galaxy ass fucking like action scene oh didn't see that coming you know yeah, just yeah, dumbass yeah. quips throughout the whole thing uh because uh, like the action is very well done the opening action sequence there's like all this fog and like trash all over the place and it just is not something you would see today because it's like it has that tactile feel mm-hmm. you know it feels like old man yells at cloud to just like complain about cgi but when everything's <laughs> yeah. practical you can fucking feel it through a tv sure it's, it's real and even if it's a dumb enough thing like it, as dumb as stallone you know saying dumb shit and mm. dumbly driving his car into a trash can it still feels more real than the best digital like not even the best but the most popular mm. digital action that we see today yeah uh, another sequence i enjoyed like the one with the wrecking ball and they're in some some like abandoned oh, warehouse. The demolition shit yeah. is awesome. That's what kicks off like the big climactic chase, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and there's something really like just like you could really feel it maybe tactile about those locations. Yeah, and, like, they the destroyed way. a building yeah. for this movie. I know. Like it's it's real. Something it really happened. satisfying. <laughs> I like how Jalone Jalone. Sylvester Jalone. Um Stallone jumped on the cars too. I don't know why that struck oh, that's me, but I, cool. I just I want to see him jump on the car. Um it's it's just really funny also another like thing about it. I like seeing a big, big guy in a tight suit, in a tiny tight suit. Yeah. And he was rocking like the classic, like doesn't know how to wear a suit thing, whereas like yeah. jeans, a corduroy jacket. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's very good. And like shirts. Yeah, a lot of good <laughs> shirts. <laughs> so the house style thing comes through again because this is like an auteur list film again that just like works on the pure level of action. Like if this didn't have as many jokes, it would be probably 61 minutes and it would just be the action scene because there's three good action scenes in this movie and in an 87 minute movie three good action scenes should be enough unfortunately it's not Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of bad comedy that just like leaves me just like sitting there but like stylistically it comes from an interesting perspective as i mentioned there's a lot of really good looking shots of la that it does not like shy away from lingering on those shots and there's like deep focus in the office for no reason. Like the first time he goes <laughs> to talk that. to his yeah. girlfriend yeah. boss, it's a really nice deep focus shot. And then later on, there's like the worst split diopter shot I've was, ever seen. I was was that a split diopter? Yeah. I was wondering. Like, it was it... so weird, JT. I don't know if you caught this because it's. I had to rewind and then just stare at the frame for like ten seconds mm-hmm. because it's so weird. Because it's split diopter. There's two points of focus, but they're in very similar focal distance. So there's not that big of a 
difference in you know it's yeah what scene is this it's when stallone uses a payphone to call the office the guy yeah. who opens oh. or picks up the phone at the office and it's he's in focus and i think a plant on his desk is in focus yeah. on the other side <laughs> of the frame. Make, like and so in between yeah in between is all mm-hmm. blurred out and then there's like a pen that looks like there's like an echo of you know there's yeah. like a tracing of it or reflection or whatever and it's a very ugly shot that's there for no reason and it's like it could be the only time I've seen this. It could be a split diopter shot where both points of focus are at the same focal length, which yeah. is so weird. <laughs> but honestly, I got to give it up for that. Yeah, like exactly. it's an ugly shot that I don't like, but it made me think. So fuck. Yeah. It. Makes hey, you think. That shit's smart. Think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's how we rate movies and how how hard does it make you think? Yeah. Make yeah. you think out of 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it really does dry up. Like the well of the promise of the premise really dries up after about 40 minutes and all those jokes just get really old. You know, uh, she's always showing baby pictures and some girl says just alone, you look so sexy in those diapers. And it's like, <laughs> oh, just, yeah. like <laughs> just flirting with him as a baby. Yeah. yeah. That's just a dumb joke that a yeah. screenwriter cracks himself up with at a coffee <laughs> shop. By the way, speaking of coffee shops, Blake Snyder in his book talks about writing at coffee shops and literally approaching strangers to workshop ideas. Like oh he wants God. you to do that. <laughs> it's the most okay. psychotic okay. book ever. It's ridiculous. He, whenever he drops like Hollywood gossip, it's the most pathetic thing ever. Just like <laughs> mentioning the fact that he's met somebody, and and then he gets to make fun of Ishtar for being a bomb for a sentence, and it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Classic you, '90s humor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> using Ishtar as a punchline. One of the great films of the '80s. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that humor dries up really quickly, and it climaxes with when Stallone says the title line, "Stop, or my mom will shoot." Uh, the mom ends up shooting, but anyway, let's talk about the dream sequence, shall we? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So, get into so, it. so he has a dream where he he he's in a diaper. He goes pee pee poo poo in his diaper. <laughs> uh, the Duelist is on the marquee. There's a Ooh, he's in front oh, of a movie shit. theater showing the Duelist. Nice. So for us, for the for the cinema head listeners yeah. out there who have seen the Duelist. <laughs> <laughs> You might be a fan of this movie if you like The Duelist. Yeah, so his mom <laughs> tells his girlfriend that you can, like, even though he's a baby, you can tell he's going to have good equipment when he grows up. <laughs> yeah, I remember So that. I oh. think there should be more cinema <laughs> of moms talking up their son's dicks. I forgot about yeah. that. That oh, was amazing. Oh, shit, that's fuck. That's, yeah. like, really good. <laughs> fuck, that gets me. That's a good line. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stealing that. Yeah, you could tell he's going to have good equipment. <laughs> uh, but then back to, like, bad screenwriting stuff, there's, like, the sneezer. You know, one of those criminals is just always sneezing, and that's just, oh, like, his yeah. trait. And that's something you see in that Blake Snyder book is, like, no matter how small a character, they have to have a defining trait, even if he's just the sneezer. And it's like, okay, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, that guy does not need to just be sneezing the whole time. And also, he says, I'll be back. And then the mom said, and then there's a riff about him being Stallone and not the Terminator. And it's like, all right, dude, you you really don't have to go that far. Also, one thing I should mention, there's a scent of a woman and stop or my mom will shoot have share a link in that they both have the one of the rich kid. One of the rich kid characters from Son of a Woman plays the suicidal kid in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. So that's a little fun fact for like IMDb trivia. If you want to lock that down. That is a very good point. And it's a very good segue to the Save the Cat moment segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Save the Cat, that's like 
it's named after something in the book where your character has to save a cat in the mm-hmm. beginning so that no matter how bad they are, the audience has to root for them because they saved a freaking cat. Yeah, they can be blind and an asshole. Yeah, yeah. so like, Malcolm just described the mom's save the cat moment, which is that there's a guy on a ledge trying to kill himself. Uh, and so Stallone shows up to the scene. And then before he can even get up there, it turns out that... uh you know, hey, uh, who knows why this guy's trying to why this guy's trying to kill himself? Oh, it's because he uh, can't get a hold of his mom on the phone. Yeah, what kind of what fucking, a coincidence? Yeah. So then the mom grabs the megaphone from the cop and like talks him off the ledge, and so that's like she's been really obnoxious up to that point, just a total fucking rag. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah. Well, that's how Stallone sees it, at least. Yeah. Uh, I think she's a very strong woman. Yeah, uh, well, he doesn't I mean, take no shit. I do like the payoff of the gag because it's like then Stallone is trapped on the ledge, like ranting about his mom. I like mm-hmm. that. I, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of cute. I can see the structural balance of it, but it's not funny. It's like Stallone's on yeah. the ledge, and then the suicidal guy is walking down the stairs, and the cops are walking up, and he's like, "God, that guy needs some help." Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. That guy's worse it's off than the guy who wants to fucking off himself. <laughs> yeah. That's, Who's that's, me? That's me. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, mm-hmm. unless there's anything else that you guys wanted to talk about. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Weird that ending. One, this one also sucks. So um, on three, we'll give it whether or not you our shoot mom the mom. Would, yeah, whether or not we shoot the mom. <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, so if it's a good movie, we don't shoot the mom. Okay. And if it's a bad movie, we shoot the mom. And by the way, the movie ends with the mom shooting the bad guy. So like in the climax, she says... Or he says, stop her, my mom will shoot, and she shoots and misses. But then in the very, very climax, like the big moment, that's when she shoots the man dead who's about to kill her <laughs> son. <laughs> and uh, the Oedipal myth is complete, and he fucks his mom. <laughs> so, uh, one, two, three, yes. No. Yeah, I'd shoot that mom. No. I, I mean, I'm just... I don't really like it, but I, I want to defend it for some reason. <laughs> I'm some, I'm, I'll just be on a movie side sometimes, even <laughs> if it's bad. It's just like you know what, let's champion this. And I think it's, and all I think it's lightly likable. I think to it's, go it's, it's very well made. It's just like really junky stuff in the script yeah. that, like, no, as sure. someone I who agree. went to film school, I just have such deep resentment for that normal people don't have. But having read all those screenwriting books and realizing that they're all the same and all complete bullshit makes movies like this kind of hard to stomach. Like, I like a nice, very uh, commercially structured movie. Oh, I love a tight structure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but then sometimes it's just too cute. Too many cute screenwriting tricks. But it's very well directed. I, I I was very close to giving this two and a half stars. I definitely prefer it to Scent of a Woman. But I would say I guess they're both two stars out of five. Two and a half stars for me. By you, JT. Uh, I gave one and a half to both, but I prefer Scent of a Woman because I like P- Pacino's funnier than anything. In uh, Pacino's very funny. Stop or my mom will shoot. Yeah. Well, that just about wraps up the first episode. Wow. Yeah. We're out of time. I, I can't believe we did clock. it. I just looked at my clock. Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. We've been doing oh, this shit. for five hours. We're approaching sharpling levels of podcasting. We're going to go three hours every Tuesday night. Uh, and it's going to be fun. Thank you so much to the listener for uh, putting up with us for all 55 minutes or whatever. We're going to try and maybe keep it a little shorter, but we had this intro about like, you know, what this podcast is going to be about. So future episodes will probably be under 50. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about the intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you're done listening to the pod, let's <laughs> apologize for listening to the pod. Um, so you can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I am at iPod underscore video. 
on Bitch Face Palace. Uh, this is Malcolm speaking. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, they would remember. You said your name at the beginning. Well, you know, just just, just for a clarification. Yeah, you know. Um, this is JT, uh, <laughs> and I'm at Tall Boy Thin Legs. And I think all of our letterboxes are like linked to our Twitter. Yeah, right? yeah, we're on Letterbox anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Extended Clip is also on Twitter at Extended Clip sixty nine. That is actually where you're going to want to follow us, please. Yeah. Uh, extended Clip sixty nine is where you're going to follow us on Twitter. And we're going to post about the show. We're going to post pictures of JT's feet. and yeah. uh, Cool yeah, group it's gonna photos really of us. <laughs> yeah, of our yeah. feet. <laughs> well, no. What, me and Malcolm are, yeah, it's in our contract that we don't have to show feet. But nah, JT yeah. does. Yep. Well, I have the best ones, so. So we'll see you next time, foot fuckers. Pay pigs. <laughs>